0: morning, City of Hope. Do you know what your response should be when you see somebody like me delivering the message? Your response should be to pray. <laughs> You'll pray for you and me today. You'll be praying for the leadership team, but particularly praying for the pulpit committee. Um, they're meeting faithfully. They're committing their time, their energy. Let's pray that God would bless their efforts, bless their time together. And, uh, so this isn't my first time giving a Sunday message, but it is the first time I've given a Sunday message here. Um, morning's message is targeted to my heart, and I'm inviting you to listen in, so may it be so. A few weeks back, Christine and I were on our way to gymnastics. In the late afternoon, we were coming up to Highway 1 intersection, and, and suddenly, a car was smack in front of us, and we collided with a large Mercedes SUV, and our car, boom, just a split second, we were stopped. There was a bus on my left-hand side, so I couldn't see the car coming around. He turned left right in front of us, and uh, we were going about 30 miles an hour. Thankfully, not so fast, but that's a swift transition from 30 to nothing in a moment. I looked in my rearview mirror, checked Christine. She was Okay. It was an alarming, shocking experience, and thankfully everyone walked away with, with no scratches, just a good shake-up. Both vehicles were roughed up a bit, but mine was the worse for the wear. And while I had a sense of thankfulness that everyone was okay, it was a few nights after that I, I was awake in the, in the night, and I was reflecting And I was alarmed that my level of thankfulness wasn't, it was relatively small. My brain hadn't really registered how fortunate we should be for walking away, no scratches, no injuries. And, you know, truly, every day we lift our head off the pillow, every day we put our heads back on the pillow, we have too much to be grateful for. And yet many of these things don't receive the recognition or the thanks that's due. And so today's message is oriented in, in this direction. So let's do start in, uh, with prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. And thank you for your word. Pray that you will guide the delivery The communication of your word. I do pray that you will plant seeds of truth and water, them, and I do pray that you will blow away chaff that's unhelpful, and I pray that you will be glorified, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. So let me begin by reading Psalm 103, which is where we'll be camped out. And uh, we'll just be looking at the first five verses. So Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So a quick statement on why Psalm 103, and and then I'll lead into where we're going. I've been reading a psalm devotional And when I got to this psalm, I was struck by the dialogue that the psalmist is having with his soul. And what we'll find in Psalm 103 is that the psalmist is speaking to his soul, rousing it into action, uh, an intentional shepherding. And this is in stark contrast to what may be a more typical dialogue that. I might have with my soul that might go something like, Soul, I've noticed you don't seem to be praising God today. Don't you feel blessed? Oh, you you don't? Well, That's too bad. Well, carry on. And I... Say that partly in joking, but I think the I, th- I think it carries truth with it. Uh, this passive listening to the soul is the autopilot mode that's easy to default to. However, the result that is probably not a conscious decision is that the heart is it becomes our guide. And should we find our hearts to be trustworthy guides to navigate our day-to-day? Scripture tells us differently. Jeremiah seventeen nine declares, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. It's fallen along with the rest of our earthly nature. The, the dialogue in Psalm 103 is, is quite different. It's not one of passive listening, but active and intentional shepherding. Soul, bless the Lord. You may not feel blessed, soul, but I'm I'm instructing you to bless the Lord. A similar dialogue is found in Psalm 42. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is truth talk to the soul. It's active. It's grabbing onto God's truths and then pushing them into the places where they need to be felt, where they need to be known. In the devotional uh, that I've been reading, Tim Keller writes about Psalm 103 this is how to work the gospel into our own heart until it transforms. It happens as we speak truth to our soul rather than just listening and letting it move us in the way that it wants. It involves a change of dialogue that's in line with Psalm 103. The action of blessing the Lord has the potential to change our life, that of our families, our communities, and beyond. This morning we'll look at uh, two main points and then discuss briefly what this could look like for us as we focus on the first five verses of the psalm. So what does it mean to bless the Lord and why should we engage in it? So, point one, what does it mean to bless the Lord? What does it mean to bless the Lord? It appears three times, this phrase, in the first two verses Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. In the last three verses of the psalm, it appears. Four more times, and the conversation has moved beyond a conversation with a soul. The psalmist now invites the heavenly beings and creation itself to join in and bless the Lord. Verse 20 through verse 22. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones, who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm curious to know how many of you use the phrase, bless the Lord. It's not a phrase I grew up hearing. Hearing is a child in my house, and not one I have been in the habit of using. If someone had used it in my presence, I may have been likely to say, probably to myself, why are you using that phrase? And are you using it in a way that indeed is a blessing to God? Um, So since I didn't really know what it meant to bless the Lord, let me share some of what I've learned. The Hebrew term translated into the verb bless, uh, barak, it's derived from the noun uh, knee. So from this, there's the idea of of kneeling to, to bless. The same word means to praise and also to greet. And the word is used frequently, and it refers to God's blessing people, People blessing God, people blessing people and, and more. Let me share a few examples from Scripture. The, ver, uh, the verse of God blessing Abram in, in Genesis 12:3 is familiar to us. And I will God speaking to Abram, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be, shall be blessed. Another we hear often is, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Number six. In Luke 1, we read of Zechariah blessing the Lord in a prophetic statement. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. In In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him. We have this unusual circumstance of the priest, Melchizedek, blessing Abram after Abram returns from battle. And he says, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high. Who has delivered your enemies into your hand. It's perhaps helpful to note that blessing God and blessing others was, is, to my knowledge, a common practice in Jewish culture. To continue learning more about what it means to bless the Lord, we can look at Psalm 34:1. I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. We have the parallelism, the synonymous parallelism, so we can compare those lines. And we see that blessing the Lord and praising him are overlapping, certainly related. Another aspect that we see in that parallelism, parallelism is that blessing comes from the mouth. He is Praise shall continually be in my mouth. John Piper writes about blessing. If God is the primal and inexhaustible blesser, then he must be above all others in a blessed state, the fullness and source of all blessing. And if this is so, that a most natural burst of praise would be, you are blessed. And it's just a truth statement. Lord, you are blessed, because you are the one who blesses. He also writes, to bless God means to recognize his great richness, strength, and gracious bounty, and to express our gratitude and delight in seeing and experiencing it. So let me conclude the first section of what it means to bless the Lord by sharing Psalm 145.10. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. So point two, why should we engage in blessing the Lord? Why should we engage in blessing the Lord? So now that we're a bit more familiar with the notion of what it means, I'd like to share four reasons why this practice can be beneficial to us and to those around us if we will practice it. And the first point is that blessing the Lord helps us to keep his holy name exalted in our hearts and minds. Blessing the Lord helps us keep his holy name exalted in our hearts and minds. Let's look again at Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So there's two references here to God's holy name. Bless the Lord and bless his holy name. We know from Exodus 20 verse 7 God's name is to be set apart. He says you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain and in Matthew 6 9 Jesus says when he he's instructing his followers to pray Hallowed be thy name. I'm going to share a bit of a A bit of personal testimony and experience to just give a little context to to add to this next point about exalting God's holy name. So I, I grew up attending a small country church that didn't proclaim the gospel. Sad to say that perhaps most there didn't have a clear understanding of what the gospel was. My experience at church through high school left me with the understanding that Anyone who attended church was already in the door of the kingdom, which is certainly a dangerous idea to have. It was sometime between my sophomore and junior year at Iowa State that the seeds of the gospel started to sprout and bring understanding to me about what God had done in my behalf. And that I needed to unlearn some things that I thought that I knew. God worked in my own heart partly through a sense of loneliness, even though I was surrounded by people everywhere on the college campus, and partly through a longing to belong in God's family. His kingdom message was revealed to me through many individuals, including friends in my dormitory and college ministry groups, like Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I wasn't an athlete, but they only required that we own a pair of tennis shoes to belong to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, so I had those. During my senior year, I became involved with the Navigator Ministry, and one fine fall weekend, we traveled to a retreat center in Manhattan, Kansas, and we listened to an Old Testament scholar named Vern Steiner, who unpacked the scriptures in a way that helped me realize that the Bible could be dug into at many different levels, and at each level you can find new treasure. And one of his messages changed the way I hear Exodus 3 in the revelation of God's holy name. I'm not going to give his message, it's not mine to give, but turn with me briefly to Exodus 3, and we'll start reading at verse 7. But here's the familiar context from verses 1 through 6. So Moses is tending his father-in-law's flock, and he happened to be on Mount Horeb, which is described as the mountain of God. And God appears to Moses in a bush. The bush isn't burning. It it is burning, sorry, but it's not consumed. And he calls and gets Moses' attention. Moses! Moses! Moses, don't come near. Take your sandals off. The place where you're standing is holy ground. Holy, of course, because of the one who is present. And Moses receives a, a surprising proclamation from this bush. Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And starting at verse 7, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And in these first two verses, God reveals characteristics that are reflected, that are somehow part of God's holy name, He is a God who sees the affliction of his people. He is a God who hears their cries. He is a God who knows their sufferings. And he is a God who comes down to deliver them from where they are, a place of slavery, to a place overflowing with abundance. Verse 9, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And here God reflects another aspect of his character and holy name. I will be with you, which is related to seeing, hearing, knowing, and coming down to deliver. Verse 13, and Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. The word Lord, as in bless the Lord, when spelled with capital letters, stands for the divine name, Yahweh, which is here connected with the verb Hayah, which means to be. God's self-selected name, proclaimed to Moses, his memorial name that he is to be remembered by, reflects his presence with his people to be. And it finds a beautiful connection with Jesus, our Savior, who is called Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus makes this proclamation to his disciples just prior to his departure to be with his father. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them, and behold, I am with you. A repeat of God's name, essentially, to the end of the age. It's a glimpse of the beauty and power of God's holy name. Indeed, a name worthy of our blessing. So the first reason to join with David in blessing the Lord is that it helps us to keep his holy name exalted in our hearts and minds. The second reason to join with David in blessing the Lord is that it helps us to remember or forget not all his benefits. Helps us to remember all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Statements of blessing that are proclaimed back to God through our lips are about him and the many benefits that he has, is, and will extend to us. If we're not blessing God, the implication is that we are prone to forget these good things from this morning's scripture reading. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. And God says, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall Bless the Lord your God, for the good land he has given you. The Israelites were instructed by God, once you have received all of these wonderful things, you are to bless the Lord. Then we read in the next verses, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. It goes on. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Verse 17, beware lest you say in your heart, my power, my power, and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God. Blessing God and remembering what God has done are side by side in scripture. Uh, The original Hebrew word translated forget means to lose memory of or lose remembrance of, but it can also mean to ignore, to neglect, or to cease to care about, which reminds of the text in Romans 1, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator what who is blessed forever Romans 1 25 so let's learn from this text and be a a people who bless the one who is blessed forever rather than turn away. So the second reason to bless God is that it helps us to forget not all his benefits. The third reason to bless God is that it is a means of communicating God's goodness to our hearts. It's a means of communicating God's goodness to our hearts which is something that I'm scratching at regularly, the sense that what my lips are speaking and singing about doesn't line up with where my heart is. It's a common sense of being a hypocrite. And when the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who or what is he addressing? He's talking to his soul. The Hebrew term for soul means breath, or the inner being with its thoughts and emotions. It means a person's whole being, but is often referred to as heart or soul. Why does the psalmist refer to his soul? Perhaps he knows that it needs to be brought along, shepherded towards God. I see this line not only only as an instruction to our soul, but also as as a prayer. I can't change my heart, but I can recognize its need of shepherding and ask God to work his miracle of healing on it. As noted earlier, this is an important way for the gospel to get in and transform our hearts. So have this dialogue with your soul. Heart, soul, do you need reasons to bless the Lord? Here they are. Psalm 103, verse 3 through 5. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. From these verses, we have five reasons to bless God, with more continuing into the remainder of the psalm. Our God who forgives, our God who heals, our God who redeems, our God who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, our God who satisfies. From just these five come a myriad of things for which we can bless our Lord. This is ample reason to bless the Lord with our lips and our hearts. Jesus says in Matthew, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. And like the psalmist, we say to our hearts and souls, Bless the Lord. And we pray to God that our hearts and lips may be more in agreement so that we would be more whole and holy. So the third reason is to communicate to our hearts. And the fourth reason is that blessing God is a means of sharing God's goodness that we know, his goodness that we've experienced with our family, our friends, and our neighbors. At the end of this psalm, David invites others to bless the Lord with him. In his case, it's heavenly beings and even creation but we can invite others to bless the Lord with us. And it can begin in our homes. With me blessing the Lord for his goodness to me, including his forgiveness for my prideful protection of what I deem to be mine, like my time, my selfish complaints, my unrighteous anger. And as we come humbly and openly Blessing God, it can be a window for our family to hear and see God's benefits that we're grabbing onto and proclaiming. So the fourth reason is that it's a means of sharing God's goodness that we know and have experienced with those that we love, our friends, our neighbors. Finally, what what does this look like? How do we bless the Lord? And this will be a a very quick picture with the prospect of coming back and finishing Psalm 103 in a later message. But we should begin by remembering who he is and all of the ways that he has blessed us. Not just focusing on his benefits, but focusing on who he is. We must look to the one from whom all of the benefits come. Second, as the psalmist says, this blessing should come not just from lips, but with our soul, with all of our being. We do so out of love for him and as a prayer for God to help us become more whole and holy. Psalm 103 is a great place to begin. This could be the starting block for us to bless the Lord each day as we build our own storehouse, of reasons for our souls to bless the Lord. And it should happen within our normal routine, as part of our mealtimes, part of our bedtime prayers, part of our conversations with those we meet in our home, on the sidewalk, in the hallway, along the way. Let me close with an example of a blessing, but first let me read a few lyrics from the song Bless the Lord, or 10,000 Reasons, by Matt Redman, which we occasionally sing here, and of course is based on Psalm 103. You're rich in love, and you're slow to anger. Your name is great, and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. So let's put our hearts in gear, searching for all the ways that it can bless the Lord, and then let them spring forth from your lips. I bless the Lord, I bless you, Lord, that you are like no other. You have redeemed us at your cost. You extend patience towards us even as we move away from you because that is who you are. And because you do not want any to perish, but for all to come to you, you crown us with spiritual blessings of your gracious love and mercy. I bless you, Lord, that you have opened your arms to me, to us, and adopted us as your children. And you have committed to discipline us in love and grace that we may become more like the ones you have created us to be. O soul, bless the Lord with me. O congregation, bless the Lord with me. Amen.